friends and fellow craft beer drinkers, and welcome to another episode of Tap the Craft Podcast. My name is Denny Luce, and with me, as always, is the homebrew engineer and soon-to-be master brewer, John Ream. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm doing okay. It's been a long weekend, some long nights, kids up, but I'm, I'm happy to have some beer right now. Well, there you go. by myself without the nagging of tired children. Yes, so. <laughs> yes, I hear you, I hear you. Yeah, I'll talk about my uh, day yesterday, and I'm a little bit tired today from my weekend, but uh, that's okay. We're here, we're talking about craft beer, we're drinking craft beer, it, what, could, what, what more could we ask for? So, that's what we're doing. But, in case we have any new listeners that don't know what our show is all about well tap the craft podcast is an educational podcast and john and i we like to focus around celebrating everything having to do with craft beer we love craft beer we want to help people along in their craft beer journey so listen along and see if we can teach you something and of course you are listening to episode 70 and we are recording on sunday march 26 2017 and in this episode John and I are going to discuss some common tasting terms that you hear us using throughout the, the different shows. Now, this is kind of a revisit from previous topics that we've had on the show, but because we do have a lot of new listeners that may not be familiar with all those terms, I thought it'd be a great time to start diving you know, backwards a little bit, just kind of cover some of the, the topics a little bit differently than we have before in a, like a Cliff Notes version. And we also have, uh, uh, we're going to start a segment now that we've released the news that John is opening his own brewery here in the next few months. I thought it would be a great idea to showcase some of the ins and outs of what it is like to start up your own brewery. And this week we are going to have a discussing finding the perfect property. And of course, learn about the site plans for Trek Brewing if John will reveal those to us. So... Uh, well, it's all up to John. He's 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 holding all that information. So hopefully he'll he'll unleash all that knowledge so that uh, anyone else that wants to start a brewery they can you know have an idea how to do it too. And of course you can count on John and I having some great beer conversation as we drink beer. So John, if we're gonna drink beer on this podcast, we better start drinking. So what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I have a beer from Alaskan. Uh, it's their Icy Bay IPA, oh. um, which I apparently haven't had. I thought I've had it in the past, uh, but at least I haven't checked it in. Okay. Um, but uh, it's coming across more malty than I expected right now, but I'm also not sure if uh, it's because I just had tasted some wine um, oh. before I jumped on the show here. So, Well, that's going to um, wreck your palate. Uh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a, a chance to you know get a little hoppier for me as I go. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, I don't know if I've had the icy bay. I've had Alaskan IPAs, but when I saw that you had the icy bay, I it didn't ring a bell to me to say that yeah, I for sure had that one. So I'm guessing I I might need to go pick it up and try it too. Yeah, we picked up a sampler Costco pack 
you know, 24. Oh, yeah. So it's got a couple pale ales, this IPA, and a double IPA. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good. So how about you? What are you drinking? Well, I am uh, also drinking from a sampler pack, and it's a New Belgium's Two Below Winter L. And I hadn't had this this year, so I thought it was a good opportunity for me to drink another Winter L before winter totally disappears from us. So I'm drinking this Two Below. It's not too bad. Not too bad. It's got a nice malty character and a little, you know, like dry hopped... uh, um, you know, hop flavor in there too. So it's a, it's a tasty 6.6% ale. Nice. All right, John. So, um, have you done anything fun beer related since our last show? And I know you have. I have, I've had two bottle shares and a festival. Oh my gosh. uh, Since our last show, uh, it's been a beer packed couple of weeks, um, which is nice because when we were like packing up the house and everything, you know, Having time to to do that kind of stuff was uh, at a premium, mm-hmm, um, so mm-hmm. we didn't really do a lot. And that's, you know, I commented last time that people probably noticed I've been rather absent from Untapped. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have a chance to do anything. Um, but uh, I'll talk about a couple of the beers from the bottle shares in a bit. And I'll I was talking about the, the festival I went to. Okay. Which was the Washington Cask Beer Festival. Okay. Um, and it's been maybe four or five years since I've been to this festival. Uh, it's held indoors at Seattle Center, and every beer there has been done in cask. Um, and they had, I think, uh, 25 or 30 breweries um, at, at the event mm-hmm. this year. And uh, well, maybe 43 breweries. Wow. If all the tables were full. Yeah, so a lot. Um, and, you know, everybody had probably two to four casks available. Uh, you get 15 tickets um, for the, the event, um, which is a lot, <laughs> you know, uh, especially because a lot of things, it's, I mean, it's wintertime, and people had to have fun with their uh, imperial stouts mm-hmm. and barley wines and that sort of thing. Um but uh, it, it was it was a really good time. We had a good group um, hanging out and tasting all the beers. Uh, I will say, downside they they removed a lot of the tables and, and places to congregate um, at the festival, and so we like commandeered a trash can. Like that was our <laughs> meeting place because uh, there just wasn't enough area to or things set up to you know hang out and you know without being in the way of the yeah. lines and everything else. So, yeah, so that was a bit of a downer, but we made the best of it. Yeah, you, impro- you improvise. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, you know, see what's what's going on and kind of just, like, make your own move to make things work out. So um, I, I'm taking – I take it to a trash can that was actually had a cover on it. You could actually use as maybe a table too, right? Yes, yeah. although it wasn't completely flat. So you did have to be careful where you set your glass down on it. <laughs> so good. You're too close to the edge and it would start sliding. So, um, so I'll talk about a few of the beers that I had, and uh, I'll start off with two fives. Oh, um, nice! That I that I had, and uh, you'll notice a theme for these. So the first one uh, was from Fremont, mm-hmm. uh, and it was their bur- bourbon barrel aged Dark Star uh, with cocoa nibs and hazelnuts. Oh, wow! Uh, added to it. Um, 
and that was very nice. The hazelnut, uh, you know, was was very prominent, um, which I think I mentioned before with that uh, rogue blend. That for me personally, I like. I would have liked to see it flipped. Mm-hmm. You know, less hazelnut, but uh, there was enough supporting, you know, chocolate and bourbon character and other things to go along with it. That while it was the hazelnut was prominent, it wasn't overbearing. Okay, um, which I which I really liked. Um, and so that was one of the first beers that we went and got. Uh, Fremont had a great lineup. Um, a couple Dark Star variants, a uh, variant on Lush, uh, and a variant on their sister's mm. Imperial IPAs. So, I mean, they, they had in line instantly yeah. um, when the festival opened. And so we were like, well, let's just grab one of those now before everybody gets in here. Okay. You know? um, so so I, I got a question on uh, – this is a – you know, uh, I just have a question on the hazelnuts. Mm-hmm. Do you know how would hazelnuts are round, right? Like little round nuts. So, do they cut them up to increase the surface area to get the flavor into you know when you put them in, or they put them in whole? Do you know how they do that? I'm just curious. I I don't know, um, and this is not an event where the brewers are there. Okay. Or at least it didn't seem like anybody was the brewer. Okay. Um, just kind of brewery reps. Um, so. And they they were so backed up that there were you really weren't in a position to stop and talk to them. Yeah. Okay. Um, at the places that were real busy anyway. Um. So yeah, I don't know the answer to that. No, no um, problem. No problem. So so we we hit this Fremont one because we knew they were going to have a line. Um, about an hour later, somebody comes back. Uh, actually, it was Amanda who I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. She comes back and she just starts handing this glass around and says, "Just drink this. Don't ask questions." And uh, so we're tasting it. I was like, wow, this is really good. Did you go get the Fremont one again? Because um, this is like a really prominent hazelnut. It's like, nope. Uh, this is from North Sound Brewing, and it's their Cheeky Monkey, <laughs> um, which uh, was done with coconut uh, oh. and hazelnut. And oh, it's an imperial, an, an imperial brown ale. Oh, and yeah. That was fantastic. And uh, that beer, I think, ended up winning, like, uh, people's choice of the first session that we were in. Um, so they they started handing out voting slips um, with about an hour left in the session. And uh, you could start voting for what you liked. I think that beer ended up winning. And, I mean, you could just walk up to them anytime. There was no line. They had one of the best <laughs> beers at the, at the session. And, you know, I, I think it just goes to show, like... Just because somebody has a line doesn't mean they have the best beer. Yeah. You know, yeah. so definitely go try people out. Um, you never know, you know, what you're going to find, especially at an event like this where folks can really get creative and yeah. have some fun. Yeah. And you, and you um, had 15 tickets, so you, that's a lot of beers you could try. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll move on to a sour uh, that I had. And uh, at all the Washington uh, festivals, the ones put on by the state commission, uh, which this is one, uh, they have a, a beer that's there exclusively for um, Washington beer lovers members. Um, so it's a thing you sign up for. It's like 30 bucks for the year. You get a little passport, which you can get stamped at breweries across the state. And, you know, you get so many stamps and you can... Uh, turn it in for prizes um, mm. at the end of the year. Uh, and then also at a lot of festivals, you'll get bonus tickets, a nicer glass, a bigger glass, you know, different things. Um, so there's a bunch of different perks that go along with it. 
um, I had renewed mine before I knew we were going to leave the state. Uh, so I still had my membership and I went to try the beer that they had uh, for, for the members, which was the Urban Family Brewing uh, Imperial Sour Aged on Tropical Fruit. Um, and this thing tasted like you were on a beach with a frozen drink in your hand. <laughs> um, the tropical fruit was just so so strong and nice. Uh, just had a nice, uh, I mean, it's described as an imperial sour, and I don't, unfortunately, I have no information on this beer, um, like alcohol percentage, anything like that. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if imperial sour just meant it was stronger in alcohol, but like the actual sour character to it wasn't strong. It was just nice, light, tart, like refreshing area with this tropical fruit. Really well done, really well put together. Um, everybody liked uh, that one that, that had a taste of it. It was, it was very nice um, and very well done. And mm. I wish that I knew more or about it and, and all that, but it was, it was very tasty. Um, all right. So I got two more. Uh, one is from two beers and it was a, a playoff there, uh, Soto Brown Ale, which was, uh, done with mint and chocolate. So they did, uh, mint and cacao nibs. And I tell you what, this tasted exactly like a thin mint. Oh, okay. Girl Scout cookie. Um, <laughs> very good. It was very nice. Um, and uh, I, they they had uh, boxes of cookies up there too, <laughs> so, um, but that that was very very good. Um, and then uh, the last one I'll mention, uh, just because I'm just kind of droning on here, <laughs> is from uh, Odin Brewing, and that was their uh, Thor's uh, Boogie Lounge. Boogie Lounge, all right. Yeah, yeah, which was a. Uh, uh, like Belgian dark strong ale. Oh, um, aged on uh, whiskey chips and uh, vanilla beans. Oh, wow. Um, which was absolutely delicious. Um, so it they they do a this um, Belgian dark strong called Thor's Equinox, and that was yeah. the base beer for this. Yeah, I've had that before. It's great. Yeah, and this it was just a great addition. It, it really played well with the beer. Um, you know, the vanilla notes were very nice. Uh, it, it just, it really all came together in a very nice package. Mm. Um, so uh, I had gotten a taste of that from somebody and I was like, oh, no, that one I want to full pour. <laughs> so I, went, <laughs> I went and got one. So nice. Um, and, you know, that, although we did have a lot of tickets, so, you know, you have 15 tickets, but a lot of times, even when you, if you taste something, that somebody else had. And even if it's really nice, like, okay, I did get to try it, you know, and it usually has to be really special for you to be like, all right, no, but I'm going to go get some of my own. Yeah. Use a ticket on it. Um, but yeah, that one, uh, definitely hit that mark. So sweet. It's very nice. Sweet. Wow. It sounds like you had a great time at that cask beer festival. And all, I mean, you mentioned, you know, I don't know, five or six here, but overall where was the quality of the cask, ales were they actually really good or did you have some that just were you know were the majority of them good and just a couple bad or was everything good um i only tasted two things that i really didn't like okay um and uh only one of those did i 
have like enough of to actually feel like I could put a rating in. Yeah. And I actually gave it a two. Oh, um, wow. So, yeah. Uh, but most things were very good. Um, then there was just a handful of average, yeah. you know, and then just those couple bad ones. Okay. Um, but overall, I think the the quality was really good. Okay, good. So, good. Yeah. So uh, what have you been up to? All right. I didn't have anything spectacular like you. I was going to go today. If I mean, things have been crazy this weekend. And uh, there's a music festival going on in Boise called Tree Fort. And they have an L Fort beer garden. And there's a lot of events going on through the weekend. And I was going to go today. But things got way hectic and we never made it down town to go uh, do that so i don't have a, a cool beer fest to to talk about but i will talk about I mean, we forgot to mention in our last show that saint patrick's day was coming up right around the corner in fact the day after we recorded or we, uh, we released that last episode so um sarah my wife went out with the girls and so i was on my own so i decided i was i wanted to really have some corned beef and cabbage and i know that edge brewing usually does some Irish, I, I think I was there a couple years ago for their Irish uh, beer release. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go down, sit at the bar, uh, enjoy some corned beef and, and uh, cabbage, and drink their uh, the beers that they released for St. Patty's Day. And they had a Irish red on tap that they just uh, released, and also the, a re-release of a, uh, a Irish stout, but the stout was called Towny, Towny Stout, uh, that beer wasn't very good. I think it was on nitro, and it had a kind of a weird yeast character to it. So I didn't even rate it. I logged into it, but I didn't rate it. In fact, the bartender saw that I wasn't enjoying it, and he said I, he tasted it and said, "Yeah, this is not very good." And went ahead and poured me another Irish Red instead, so for no additional charge, which was nice. But I sat and uh, and I had a great time chatting with uh, you know two strangers next to me because that's what I do when I go to. A, you know, a bar, and I sit at the bar, I want to, you know, I do that to interact with people. And I met, uh, and I, I'm having trouble remembering their name, I think it was Brian, and I want to say Katie, and if I messed up their names, I apologize, but we had a great conversation, and uh, that was my St. Patty's Day. I ended up, also my buddy Sean didn't know he was at a table behind me, so he came up and said, hey, I'm over here, you guys want to join? So I went over and joined him, ended up staying until like 10 o'clock at night just uh, chatting and drinking and having a good time on St. Patrick's Day. So that was one event. The second event was yesterday. I, I mentioned in the last show that my son is now a father of a, of a boy, and I'm a grandfather, and we never got to have a, uh, a, a baby shower for him, you know, to kind of help out. So he wanted to throw a baby shower and, you know, bring some friends and, and have a big party. So we had it at our place, and we, of course – provided the food you know some of the food and, and the beer and so we got a bunch of uh, sampler packs and I got session and I even got some Bud Light but no one drank the Bud Light so I, I felt pretty good that well I felt bad I wasted the money on it but I want to make sure I had something for everyone but uh, what happened is that you know we had some drinking going on but after the party was I had some friends stay after and then we just ended up drinking until like 10 30. And I pretty much finished off almost all the beer in the coolers. <laughs> uh, I overdid it for sure. I was definitely uh, uh, put on a, a little bender uh, last night. So, but it was fun, and I got to drink some. Uh, pretty much all the beers I drank were all ones I'd had before, so I didn't log anything in. Uh, I drank 
at least six of those Sessionelles and a bunch of Citradelic from New Belgium, which is pretty good citrus ale. A yeah. Couple, yeah, a couple of these uh, two belows and, um, oh, Black Butte Porter. I had a Porter and uh, Ninkasi's Otis Vanilla Stout, too. We had a six-pack of that, so I had some of that. And I don't know. I, I, had a, I, was, I was mixing it up crazy. Like, I started off the session, so I had a good base while I was doing the barbecuing. And then as soon as the barbecuing was over, I started unleashing on the more powerful stuff. Uh, but it didn't help me today because we had to get up and, and you know, run around and do a bunch of stuff. And uh, I was dragging. And I kind of, if you can't hear it in my voice, I kind of caught a cold overnight, too. We were outside. The weather was beautiful. It was about 60 degrees, but the wind was blowing. And I don't know if there's things blooming or starting to bloom. And I, I'm, you know, maybe you have a little bit of a... You know, I don't want to say hay fever because it's not really hay season, but definitely my nose has been running all day long, and I've been I've been popping that mucinex like crazy, trying to stop it up so I wouldn't sound too bad on the show tonight. But yeah, that was my nothing too special, just some fun activities, just drinking along with some friends. Nice, that's always a good time. Yeah, yeah. All right, John. So you already kind of went over a bunch of beers that you I would say were noteworthy, but Let's go into our regular new and noteworthy section and go ahead and just identify maybe some of the beers you had at the bottle shares that you want to let people know about. Sure. So uh, first one actually isn't from a bottle share. It's kind of cheating, but hmm. whatever. I don't care. Um, there's another five capper for me. Oh, sweet. And uh, this is from Rubens Brews, and it's their uh, Bourbon Barrel Imperial Stout uh, number seven. Um, and the number seven is... Uh, for barrel number seven. So basically they said this barrel is tasting amazing by itself. Uh, so we're going to bottle that off as a single barrel. Oh, you know, nice. So, so when they released the bourbon barrel Imperial stout, they released that and the number seven. Um, so we finally cracked into that one to celebrate our home going under contract, ah. uh, which was awesome. Um, and I mean, the beer is just amazing. Uh, they're, it was really smooth, great bourbon character. Stout was very nice. Um, I don't know. It's it's Rubens. I <laughs> like pretty much everything they do. Um, and unfortunately, that you know, this one isn't something you can go get. But uh, it, this year they did the um, select barrel on their uh, um, bourbon barrel breakfast stout. Um, so that was that was fun too, and I have. I had those too as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not over the last two weeks, but <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I, now I'll jump into the bottle share stuff. And, um, so we got together at folks bring, you know, a beer or two and, uh, buddy Rob brought over two beers from great divide. Uh, their oak aged Yeti to their Imperial stout. And then the chocolate oak aged Yeti. Uh, which is basically that beer with some cocoa nibs and a dash of cayenne. Oh, wow. Um, and that's the one I want to talk about. Um, you know, the, the, the Oak Age Yeti, the oak is, is very, very strong. Um, and if you ever want to taste what oak is by itself, uh, go pick that beer up because um, <laughs> you'll, you'll know immediately. Um, but the chocolate Oak Age Yeti, the chocolate really just smooths out uh, the flavor profile and like takes the edge off the oak and it 
come it it makes it a much more enjoyable you know sipper um and i really really enjoyed that one um for that we we poured we had two glasses out for that and we had the oak age in one and the chocolate oak age in the other so we could you know do them side by side and check it out um but uh, uh yeah that chocolate oak age yeti i think was the consensus pick um of the group between the two mm. uh so that was very nice. I don't know. Have you had those ones? I have not. I've had Yeti. I don't believe I've had the Oak. I, I don't know. Is Does it come in a small bottle or a big bottle? Uh, these we had in Bombers. In Bombers, um, yeah. I okay. I don't know if they do them in 12s as well. Okay. So yeah, I've had, but, I, I believe I've had, I've had a Yeti, the Great Divide Yeti at one point. Um, I don't know if I if it was either of these two. I'm going to say no. Okay. Well, you should check it out. I should. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so then they, uh, another five capper for me. That makes four wow. for this episode alone. I told you I was uh, you know, loosening the reins a little bit. Um, and it's from Firestone Walker. It's their Firestone 16 uh, anniversary ale, um, which uh, you know, I, our buddy Robert, I um, believe, was drinking one of these when he – not maybe not this one, yeah, but a Firestone yeah. anniversary <laughs> when he was on. Yeah, um, and so you know these are a blend of uh, you know however many beers um, that they decide should go in the blend. You know they they pull together area winemakers, some beer industry folks, um, all just come in and taste and make blends and decide what it's going to be that year. Um, so I have the, you know, they put this out in a box and in the box they put a letter talking about everything and um, they put the the components. Um, so I'll, I'll just go through quickly what is in here. Um, and they said we blended uh, 226 oak barrels and eight different beers. Wow. Into this. So they had uh, their Velvet Merkin um, aged in bourbon barrels. That's their oatmeal stout. Uh, that was 23% of the blend. Uh, their Sticky Monkey Asian mm-hmm. Bourbon and Brandy Barrels, English Barley Wine, that was 22.5%. Their Double Double Barrel Ale, um, aged in uh, Retired Firestone Union Barrels, um, that's a Double Strength English Pale Ale, and that was 20.3%. Then they had uh, some of their Parabola Imperial Stout Asian Bourbon Barrels, that was 10.8%. Um, their PNC uh, which is an American strong buckwheat stout, which I've never <laughs> had that on its own. Uh, but that was aged in tequila barrels, mm. and that represented 8.1%. And then their Helderado blonde barley wine, aged in bourbon and brandy barrels, it's 5.4%. Their Bravo Imperial Brown Ale, aged in b- bourbon and brandy barrels, 5.4%. And their Wookiee Jack, uh, which is their Black Rye IPA, or was their Black Rye IPA. Um, and uh, that was 4.5% of the blend. Wow, that's a, so, a lot of beers. Yeah, but all that coming together, and um, I think that was the consensus, uh, you know, top beer of the, of the tasting. Really? Yeah. Is that um, is that this year's anniversary, or was it a previous year's? No, this was, let's see if I can figure out the date on it. Um, this one, uh was from 2012. Oh, wow. Looks like. 
Wow. So whose cellar was this in? Who had a cellar? <laughs> Mine. Oh, I should have known you were getting and rid I, of your cellar beers. <laughs> I have one more um, from this year and a 15. So from 2011, um, still in the cellar. Wow. So, yeah. I did not realize that was from 2012, um, which leads me into my next one, which yeah. is another beer from 2012, uh, which is the Rogue XS Old Crustacean Barley Wine. Oh, yeah. Um, and you know, this is the one, one of those that they put into the, um, ceramic flip top bottles. Oh yeah. I have a bunch of them. Um, (laughs) So my, my buddy Pete had been holding onto this. He bought it basically when he moved to Seattle. Um, and he decided to break it out for, you know, us leaving Seattle. Mm -hmm. So, um, there was a shocking amount of bitterness left in this beer. And that's the, the, the main reason I wanted to bring it up. Uh, it had a very aggressive bitter finish um, for a beer that was, you know, five years old um, when we were trying it out. Yeah. Uh, and it took everybody by surprise. Um, like the first person that took a sip, they got this like perplexed look on their face and looked around at everybody else to see if they would have a similar reaction because they didn't want to be the one that said, <laughs> is, it, is it really happy? You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it surprised everybody. Um, how much uh, hop bitterness was still in there. And there wasn't really uh, much hop character mm-hmm. at all. Like yeah. the, there was no flavor or aroma coming from that, but the, the bitterness was very much there. Yeah, And I yeah. wonder if being in that ceramic bottle, it, it helps the longevity there because there's absolutely no light that can get through yeah, true. Um, and help to degrade the oils and everything um, that are in there. But uh yeah, it was just, I mean, Rogue's known for, you know, big hopping similar to, to Stone. You know, they kind of have that same reputation um, for high bitterness. But, uh, you know, we still weren't ready for, for that. Yeah, that that is amazing. Now, I have a funny story about this beer. Not the 2012 one. It was probably 2006 version or whatever. But we um, when we first started getting these excess bottles they had three of them right they had the double ipa which we were trying to get they had the old crustacean and they had the like a was a stout or uh they had another one they had three of them in the bottle we always got the double ipa which was fantastic or imperial ipa and we went to the store because they're all the same you know same uh dark you know black they, they all look the same the only thing different is the you know in small print is what the actual beer is and we went and grabbed uh, you know, three of these bottles and we were, we came back It was my buddy, Sean and I, we came back to my place and we're, you know, visiting and we're popping open and we, we pop open the first double IPA and we're enjoying it. And then we, you know, and these are pretty powerful beers. And then we went ahead and popped open what we thought was the second double IPA. Cause we were having so much fun with it. We will go ahead and do two. And then we started drinking it and I'm like, woo. I said, this, this stuff is hitting us hard. We didn't realize that this beer was like, I mean, Maybe we're we're getting kind of uh, a little bit lightheaded and really hoppy. We look at it after we get done drinking it, and we notice it was the old crustacean, so it was a fresh bottle of it, right? It's you think the hoppiness yeah. and the bitterness is extreme, five years old. Drink it fresh; it is crazy bitter, and uh, we we polished off that whole bottle. It's like what is what's the alcohol content like? Eleven percent or twelve percent? Uh, something something like that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we were feeling pretty good after that. We made a mistake, drank that 
Uh, well, we bought it <laughs> by mistake, and then we drank it uh, thinking it was a double IPA, and it was the hoppiest double IPA we ever had. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Those are some great beers, and uh, and actually, all but one are ones that are available to our listeners, some around the the nation. So go out and yeah. find find these beers, and and if you can find a new you know, a version of the old crustacean. That is a good barley wine. It is a good beer. It's just, it's one that you definitely could age and you can age it for five years and still get a good, a great beer out of it. So, uh, might be something to start your cellar with. If you guys want to try a, a good cellar worthy beer. Definitely. Yeah. So how about you? What are your, uh, noteworthy beers? All right. Um, I only have two this week because I drank quite a few different beers, and a lot of them were in the four range, but I didn't think they were anything I really wanted to to say. Yeah, go out and try. So the but the these two for sure uh, are fantastic beers, and I think everyone needs to try them if you can get them. The first one is available all around the nation. It's from New Belgium, and I had seen this beer on the shelves, but I thought, you know, no way I'm going to buy this thing. It's in a big 24 ounce can. It's got to be you know crappy because. Only crappy beers in big giant volume, right? You know, flawed thinking. I'm, I know. I already know. You don't have to <laughs> tell me it's flawed. But it's called the Day Blazer Blonde L. And I got this thing and I popped it open and poured it into a nice big glass. And I'll tell you what, this thing sh- totally shocked me. The flavor. This is the best blonde L I've ever had. The f- great sweet malty flavor, but not. Too sweet where it sticks around and 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 you know hangs out and, and makes it kind of uh, you know sickening sweet. It's just really good, easy drinking, refreshing beer that I literally drink all 24 ounces in about 10 minutes. Uh, this this could be my lawnmower beer. I'm out there mowing lawn at 95, 100 degree weather, and I want to come in and have something cool to drink. I'm gonna have a six-pack of this in my fridge so I can just take it and down a whole 24 ounces to, uh, you know, refresh my fluids. Have you tried this beer, John? No, I haven't. I'm wondering, do you know if this is going to be year-round or if this is like a spring thing? I hope it's year-round. I I hope it's year-round because I, I want to drink it all the time. It's really good, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a seasonal or a one-time thing. I, It's in a unique can, so... I would, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they are doing just a, a one-off thing. But I hope, I hope it's popular enough to keep it around all year. Uh, it's, it's a great summertime beer for sure. I think it's a bad timing to have it in the winter time because we tend to drink more heavier stuff in winter. This is definitely not heavy. It's very light and refreshing, uh, and just tastes great. So, John, go grab a can of this and let me know what you think. See if it's five yeah, to check it early. out. Yeah. All right. So that's the one that everyone around the nation can get. Uh, the one that only people here in the Boise area can get is from Edge Brewing. Again, I mentioned that I was there for St. Patrick's Day. And as a nightcap, uh, when I was over talking with my buddy Sean and his wife, I ordered up, before I went over there, I ordered up this uh, bourbon barrel aged old Bruin. And uh, it comes with a nice snifter glass, and it's a strong. Uh, it's a pretty strong beer. I think it was. I think it's like nine percent. And I'll tell you what, uh, it was incredible. 
It was an incredible beer. I really enjoyed it. It was like dessert. Uh, it was like a dessert beer, but it wasn't sweet like that. Just It was a good sipper, a nice, easy sipper as you're talking. I, made, I actually made that beer last for like two hours, just sitting there talking with my buddy and sipping on his beer and having a good time. Um, really great, really great. I, I forget the... Uh, what I said about it in uh, my notes, I guess I should have been prepared and had untapped up like John does. Um, I'll bring it up real quick so I can, because I, I can't remember my notes because that was almost two weeks ago. So let's see. What did I say? Yeah, this sounds very nice. And no, I haven't had this one. I'm no, you won't, ask, you won't get it. Yeah, you won't, yeah, you won't <laughs> get it. Um, so what I said in my check-in is there's so much going on in this beer. Great flavors. Some oak, some pear, some vanilla some raisin, and some other dark fruits with just a hint of sourness. And I'll tell you, it was just, it was incredible. So all my Boise fellas, uh, go out and try this beer before it's gone. Uh, You won't be disappointed. It's very, very tasty and uh, very strong. I'm trying to bring it up now. Oh, it's only 7.5%. But I think this is the original check-in. I think on the board, it was actually higher, this batch. From the they've had they've had they had this uh, last year too, so yeah. So that's it. That's two. I, I will mention another beer I had. Oh, go ahead, John. Well, no, go go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I will mention one more beer that I was actually disappointed in. It wasn't a bad beer, but I had high hopes for it, and that was you mentioned it in when you had the anniversary from Firestone Walker uh, that they had the Bravo Imperial Brown Barrel Aged Imperial Brown Ale. Um, I had a you know, I bought a, uh, a 16 ounce bottle of that for you know 12 bucks or whatever it goes for, and I was really expecting it to be uh, a good brown ale. And what did I get? I got a good. I got a bourbon, you know, a bourbon bomb. It was pretty much all bourbon flavor, way boozy, no brown ale characteristics at all in it. I was very disappointed. I I still gave it a decent rating. I mean, I think a, a three or three and a half, somewhere in there. But it just upset me that the Imperial Brown, the brown ale notes weren't in the beer. I want to have, it's important to have those characteristics in the beer. I don't want all bourbon barrel flavors in there. Have you have you had the Bravo? No, I haven't. Okay. So. All right, don't waste your money on it. Unless it's at a bottle share, just take a sip and that's fine. Gotcha. Well, see, I thought you might mention a, a different Farson Walker beer. And that was the the Leo versus the oh. Ursus, the Fortum that you had your twenty five hundredth unique check in. That's on. right. I you know what's funny is I knew I was getting close, but I had no idea that that was going to be my twenty five you know my two hundred or twenty five hundred beer. Um, and that you know what that one I that that one I could mention as a noteworthy one. That is actually a pretty good beer. It's an, they call it an unfiltered double IPA, but um, it is actually pretty clear for being unfiltered. I mean, I, it's it was a pretty clear beer. I poured it in the glass. But what was amazing is it tastes very, in my opinion, it tastes very similar to Hetty Topper. But honestly, I think I might like this one a little better than Hetty Topper. I think it. I think there's a lot. The characters are the hop characters and the and the flavors in the beer come across a little bit. Uh, you know more. More's going on, so more things come out as you're as you're sitting there drinking it and just letting it the flavors settle out in your mouth. I was able to like pick out more stuff 
in the in the Firestone Walker one than I was from the Hetty Topper. The Hetty Topper just had a unique profile. Um, this one had that similar profile, but um, I think it was a little bit. It you know what? It, it felt like it was cleaner, a cleaner addition or a cleaner ad- adaptation to what Hetty Topper does. It, you know, I I was able to pick out flavors more uh, with the Firestone Walker. Have you had the Fortum? No, I haven't seen this one at all, um, but I also haven't been to a bottle shop in a long time because uh, I've been trying to pare down what I have rather than yeah. build up what I have right now. Well, grab um, it. I might have to go go it, see if it's around. Yeah, I, I think it's worth it for you to go and, and try to find this beer before you leave the, the Northwest because once you leave the Northwest, you're not going to be able to enjoy some of those Firestone Walker beers. So grab it now while you can, and, and I, I'll be curious to see what you think of it too. Yeah. Yeah, and congrats on twenty five hundred. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm halfway to five thousand. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're just going to cover a few um, listener feedbacks from the last show, and I'll start it off with our buddy Jason Lacey uh, at JW Lacey from the Flux to Pose podcast, and of course the YouTube show called Battle of the Beer. Go check them out. That's a great show. Uh, on Twitter, he mentioned, uh, he says, John, major cheers are in order, sir. Sir, Of course, that is in, uh, you know, for for breaking the news on your brewery. So um, hopefully. Oh, I thought he was just very, uh, um, you know, encouraging on my my thoughts on Amber Ale. I just assumed that's what that was referring to. No, 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 no. Why don't you go <laughs> ahead and, and talk about uh, some thoughts on that real quick with our next listener feedback. Uh, yeah, so uh, Chris McKenzie. Uh, at Chris McKenzie 82 uh, said John is super opinionated on episode 69 <laughs> hashtag Amber Ale hashtag John's way hashtag team John and he's, he said Amber Ale is my favorite beer that I make he says he's getting ready for a batch soon so yeah yeah, yeah. who knew who knew that you were so opinionated on Amber Ales but I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know uh, it was funny I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad that Chris got a kick out of it uh, as well as Probably all of our listeners enjoyed hearing your your feedback. All right, we also our Swedish listener. Is that right? Swedish? That's that's what they're called. Swedes? Swedish? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Um, uh, or you can tell us that we're wrong. Yeah, you can tell me I'm <laughs> wrong because I still I'm going to mess up your name. I feel really bad. I don't know if it's Johan. I'm going to say Johan Hallberg. He commented on our Facebook page. This is for you, John, right here. He says, I started listening to this episode and noticed that John didn't like the new star screen on Untapped. And he says that he didn't like it either. He says, you can actually change that in the settings. And he posted a picture of the app in the settings on our Facebook page where it shows that you can actually turn it off. It says, just uncheck the, quote, default open to search and voila. You get the regular feed instead. So, John, why don't you go do that right now so that you can, once again, love Untapped. So I saw this, and I, I did do it um, a little bit ago, or well, you know, a week ago or so. And, uh, you know, I will say, yes, it does pop you into that feed. <laughs> um, but here's the problem. If you don't force close your app and you just, like, go to something else and then come back after a little bit, it brings you up into the freaking <laughs> other screen, even if you never went to that screen. So if I come up and look at my feed, like 
move on to some other app, come back to that like two hours later, if it hadn't actually kill itself, it will come up to that event map, everything else, check in screen and not go to the feed. And that's very annoying, but I, I am happy that it's there. I think they added this, uh, they might've added this as, as one a, of their quick follow up, yeah. you know, updates. Cause I'm, very confident that it was not there when it first came out because I looked for it like right away. Yeah. Uh, maybe I missed it, but uh, I'm at least, at least it's there now or was there, and I now I know about it. But okay, good, good. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's it works. You know, seventy percent of the time it works every time. Okay. Hey, <laughs> hey, that's better than zero percent. So I'll take seventy. I guess. Yeah. I guess. I, I forgot to mention. It also says, "Keep up the good work, guys. Love the show. Cheers." I can't. I can't forget to make sure to mention the praise that he gives us too. So fantastic. yeah, I gotta pat ourselves on the back. Yes. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, <laughs> Chase Land uh, at Awakened Heathen uh, said on Twitter, "Great episode! Congrats on the brewery, John. Uh, ship some North Carolina someday." Yeah, is that so, that might be in the works one day. One one day, yeah. I'd recommend you just come to Ohio for a day. That's what but. I'm thinking. <laughs> it's not that far. What twelve hours or so? How, how fourteen maybe? Yeah, I'm not sure where in North Carolina he is, but he's uh, he's near Asheville, which I need to go visit. I need to go visit Chase so I can go to Asheville, <laughs> and, yeah. and and we can go you know drink beer at all those great breweries there. Yeah, well, great. Those are some fantastic feedback. Thank you guys for taking the time and commenting on the show. We really appreciate. It. And of course, if any of our other listeners want to join in the conversation, you can do that. Uh, you can write into the show with your comments or questions through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com. Or if you're on Twitter, just hit us up at tapthecraft. And, of course, Chris McKenzie would love to answer your questions or uh, comment on the stuff you post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash tapthecraft. And, of course, we want to thank Open Forum Radio Network. Because they host our show. They provide the host space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we know you'll find some other great shows like the following. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer. And if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out openforumradio.com. We house such podcasts as Openform Radio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. All right. Now, um, you know what? I want to get a little update from John on Trek Brewing, on, uh, on what's going on. So, John... We know it's been nearly two weeks since you announced the news of Trek Brewing to the world. The world was released on that Thursday that we released our show. So now, uh, why don't you just comment on, uh, you know, how's the reaction been? Have you got a lot of uh, good feedback and reaction from from the world? Uh, yeah, it's been overwhelming. It's been awesome. Uh, people are really excited. Uh, you know, we... We were able to align with the show, launching all of our social media and our website and everything all at once. And it was really cool that that Thursday, Friday was, was just awesome for us, uh, seeing everybody get really excited and, um, you know, following along and 
being able to talk, actually talk to people about it, uh, when <laughs> kind of a load off, you know, yeah. and working so hard and, you know, only some, you know, a few people knew, um, that we were working on this and especially out here because, uh, you know, a lot of our circle is folks that are <laughs> tied with where I work. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and once you get inside, it can be a tight, small world. And I didn't, I wasn't ready for that news to break <laughs> and, you know, and that kind of stuff as I needed to be able to work and not <laughs> worry about what might happen. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, being able to talk to people about it and, you know, is actually interact and it was really cool yeah and it's been just overwhelmingly positive good so. excellent that's fantastic news i'm glad it, that it's finally out in the open because now i don't have to keep it bottled inside i can tell i've been telling everyone you know every i didn't tell anyone only one that knew was me and sarah that was it i didn't even tell my kids that you're opening a brewery because i didn't want anything to slip accidentally so i now everyone knows and i spread the word and everyone's excited so i've I, I can't wait to come visit when it finally opens and, and try your, your beer. But let's go ahead and uh, let's go, let's dive deeper into this whole brewery startup thing. And let's do our first brewery startup setup. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's do our first brewery startup segment. And I thought it was, we I, I've seen questions uh, throughout your, you know, uh, Facebook page and stuff where uh, people were asking about, well, I think, I think you posted a, a link, and people were asking if that was a brewery and, and such. So I thought, what a great segment to start off with is how to find the perfect property for your brewery. And uh, so I had, uh, I, you know, I had some things in my mind that I was curious about, and I thought that maybe other people might be curious too of of how you go through this process and what you're thinking and what you're you're looking for. So you mentioned in our last show that you wanted to open the brewery in Columbus, Ohio area because you wanted to return home close to your family. And, of course, you mentioned that it's a lot – the cost of, of starting up there is a lot lower than it would be in Washington. So that, that makes sense to go where you're going to have uh, you know, family support and you're going to have a lower cost to, to entry. So when you were looking for this property in that area, what were you looking for in the property? I mean, we – were you looking for uh, something already ready to go, or were you, uh, you know, actually considering building from scratch uh, and and to you know to build a suit to what you wanted, or you know what were you looking for in, in general, or or were you just looking for something that might work and you weren't like set on a certain you know thing? Um, so it, it kind of comes down to what a brewery needs, and that's uh, a lot of space, you know high ceilings and a lot of utility access, water, gas, electricity, you know, uh, a brewery can be a power hungry, Mm -hmm. you know, setup. Um, and so from there we were trying to keep an open mind. Um, and, uh, before we actually, you know, moved away from the Seattle idea, um, we had actually been in discussions with a developer, um, in an area that uh, we thought would be great for a brewery. They were kind of excited about maybe bringing something to the area. Uh, they were putting in this uh, new development with some, uh, you know, housing and uh, retail space and that kind of stuff. And um, we were actually talking to them about a build-a-suit um, setup that we mm-hmm. could put in there. 
Um, it, it didn't end up working out, obviously. Uh, it, it didn't get too far down the road, but uh, I think it became apparent that we were pretty far off on expectations um, on each side. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it, you, you, you kind of have to keep an open mind. There's a lot of different ways to go about it. Um, and I mean, you can see that if you just go to a whole bunch of different breweries. Yeah. Um, but one of the biggest things we were concerned about was space and the ability to expand because, you know, when you're starting up, uh, you don't necessarily, uh, or you aren't necessarily able to afford, um, the space that you're eventually going to need. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll, you'll need to be able to grow. Um, so, uh, that that presents challenges in and of itself. You know, are you in a center where you can just keep taking up units? Uh, are you in a place that, you know, maybe you could build on if you needed to, um, you know, things like that. And any any brewery that you talk to, I don't think anybody will ever say, no, I have way too much space. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> it seems like everybody's like, oh, if I had an extra, you know, even 200 square feet, oh, I could do this and this and, you know, it'd be make my life so much easier. <laughs> you know, even just to have extra storage mm-hmm. would be helpful for a lot of folks. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we looked at all kinds of different things, you know, warehouse spaces, uh, you know, places in strip malls and, you know, standalone, you know, buildings, which is what we, we ended up with, uh, which was a former, you know, restaurant. Okay. So, all right. So one of th- one of the things is you mentioned if you visit a few breweries you'll see, you know you'll you'll get a a taste for how many different ways you can do things. So I guess one of the things that disappoints me most about when I go and and find a brewery is um you know a lot of times they're in industrial areas in in some kind of industrial uh, warehouse area and it's hard to find uh, and and it's not very accessible to to people. Was that a key concern too when you were looking for your property? Did you want were you were you willing to go into an industrial area knowing that you're not going to have as much drive by traffic and it might be harder for people to get to, or were you wanting accessibility to be like you're you know somewhere where people drive by, they see you and they come in and, and it's like they're you know, the, the spot they stop at on the way home because you're, you're right there near them. Um, um, so when we were looking at Seattle, that was not a concern, uh, out here, there are tons of places in all kinds of different locales and breweries or destinations. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's people, something that people seek out. It's, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't an, an issue that we saw to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's already part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were looking at going to Ohio, we were a little more concerned that maybe it would be a tougher road, uh, you know, to success if we ended up somewhere that was just a little off the beaten path, even if it's cheaper and we could afford it, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot of the reason why breweries end up in those kind of places because they are, you know, at the end of the day, it's manufacturing. If you want to break it down to that, um, you know, and, those types of industrial areas, they have the space, they have the ceilings, they have the power, yeah, they have yeah. everything that you need. Um, and the price is cheap. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say no to that. Um, but we were a little more concerned where in, in Ohio where, you know, it's not, 
it's the the craft beer scene is definitely growing. Uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's established in certain areas. Um, you know, I think in Columbus, if we were downtown Columbus somewhere, could we do that? Yeah, probably. Um, as you get farther outside of Columbus, can you do that? Uh, I'm not, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, we were looking for something that, uh, you know, even if it was a little bit out of town, it was still easy to get to, um, you know, where the area we're looking at, there's, you know, quite a few like state routes that end up being, you know, just two lane roads, you know, that go through and we're trying to at least be on one of those. Um, and, uh, for some of the stuff we were looking at, um, because we were, we were a little more concerned about, uh, the actual visibility of the space. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we already mentioned that you did choose the pre-existing route for your Columbus, Ohio location. And you mentioned that it used to be a restaurant. So, but I mean, a restaurant could be good and bad. I mean, it has a kitchen, but you don't necessarily need a full blown kitchen. Uh, a lot of times there's a dining area, but uh, I'm sure that when you are going to be putting in big, heavy equipment to do the brewing process. You need to have concrete floors. You need to have tall ceilings, et cetera. Um, I'm assuming that there's going to be a lot of demolition involved in preparing the pre-existing building to suit uh, your needs. So what kind of demolition things are you going to be working on on there? Or, or are you just going to keep it kind of like it is and, and work around the existing um, we actually, I don't think we need to change much. And right now we're not planning to change much. Um, the, the space, uh, uh, it's, it's actually a, an old concrete block building. It's, uh, it's been, um, around since, uh, I think it was either the late fifties, early sixties. Oh, wow. We found okay. out. Um, and, uh, I actually, I don't think we're going to have to do any modifications to the, to the floor, um, other than adding our, our drainage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to remove a couple walls and add a, a wall here and there just to make better use of the area for the kitchen where we're going to put the brewery in. Um, but, uh, we actually, the, the kitchen is so, the kitchen area was so large, we were actually able to save, um, about 800 square feet to continue to be or to be set aside for kitchen or future kitchen mm-hmm. um, for now um and uh put the brewery in the rest of it um which is which is very nice um but uh yeah as of right now we we don't need to do much the um it was a actually a barbecue place that was a kind of sports bar type um, atmosphere in there so it has a nice bar and taproom area that leads into another in the a dining area, um, and we're keeping that pretty much as it is. Just uh, doing some touch-ups to kind of make it our own and clean it up a little bit. It's uh, showing some age right now, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, on the on the opposite half of the building, it has a an area that used to be a fi- used as a fine dining area, and okay. uh, we're going to use as our kind of banquet room okay um for hosting events and that kind of thing so um we've got we've got a lot of space in this in this building and um 
you know, a lot of room to grow into, which is very nice. And, you know, I, I mentioned the, the cost, you mentioned it at the top of this segment. I mean, uh, to give people an idea, um, from what we were looking at in Seattle, um, we have about three times the space for half the cost. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're pretty happy with where we ended up and, uh, I think it's going to be a really good fit okay. for, for now and to hang on and for future. Into, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a so basically you decide to go with property that is is not going to restrict you from the future. You can you can start it up in a smaller size and you have the the ability to grow in the same location when you need to in the future if it is if you need to do that. So that's pretty smart. Pretty smart. All right. So in general. What's the, going to be the layout of your of your space? Are you going to have an open concept where you have your your bar, tasting room, and brewery all exposed in the open, or are you going to have the brewery portion isolated away from the main tasting areas? Um, so the way the building is set up, it's kind of a if you looked at it from above, it's kind of like a, a cross or like a plus sign okay. kind of design. Um, and unfortunately, because of that and the way that the space is, is broken up, um, it's not easy to uh, create a way to see the brew house. Um, and uh, keep true to fire codes, <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. Um, because of the size of the building, it exposes us to um, other code issues that we have to be very careful about. Mm-hmm. Um and we're we're working on ways to be creative and try to get that in there, but I'm not sure it's going to happen yet. It might be a a kind of phase two thing because um, it's it's really expensive um, to get certain glass that's rated, you know, yeah, for fire protection and uh, yeah. It, I I don't know if it's gonna if it's gonna happen okay uh, right now, but. Uh, it's something we've thought about, but uh, and we'd like to if we can, but I, I just don't know if it's going to be feasible um, at the start, unfortunately. All right. That's okay. So. There, there's plenty of other breweries I've gone to that you don't see the, the brew house either, so it's okay. Yeah, but we're planning to do uh, tours, you know, so people can at least get back and see it and yeah. get a feel. Um, so. All right, so... You mentioned large building, fire codes, all that stuff. What is the, what, what's going to be the planned occupancy or you know capacity for people that you can have in there? Is it, do you already know kind of what you're going to have as far as max occupancy? Uh, well, we know what it was rated for before, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the code hasn't changed a whole lot. We expect it to be about the same numbers, um, and. Prior, it was certified for uh, 150 in the like bar and dining area. That's going to be our tap room. Uh-huh. Um, and we think the special events room is uh, rated for about 100 or so. Oh, wow. And then um, we're looking at uh, adding an outdoor space that could be another 50 to 60 people. Wow. Okay. Wow, that's uh, some serious uh, people you can have in there. That's great. That's great. Yeah, like, like I said, it's a very nice, big building and you know a lot of room to for for growing into okay and i my other questions kind of rolled into what you just kind of mentioned so obviously 
your property has uh, enough parking and enough outdoor space to be able to have an outdoor seating area for for drinking um is it is it big enough to allow you to have outdoor events like uh you know have some kind of a, like mini festival out there or, or or you know whatever kind of events that that breweries have are you going to be able to do that at your place uh we have a huge parking lot okay. um it's actually on 1.6 acres the, the oh wow house. so uh yeah and we've actually thought about the ability to to do the that kind of thing, host little festivals or yeah. events outdoors would be uh, really cool uh, to to do that kind of thing. Um, so it's something we're looking into, um, and we we definitely have the space if we can uh, get the right you know permits for everything. So. Okay, excellent. And one last question: Are you planning on having live music um, like on a Friday or Saturday night at uh, you know from you know seven to ten? Having a some small little, uh, I'm not saying like a big rock band, but you know some, you know a, a two person, three person, maybe you know small little band come in and play music for your customers. Is that something in the works? Um, this is actually a question we've gotten a ton since we announced what we're doing, um, and uh, we have been looking at it um, for a while on how it might be best to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the way stuff's laid out, it's um, there's no real obvious solution um, for okay, this is where you'd set somebody up and oh, you okay. could you know do a little thing here and that. So uh, we're looking at our options. We don't have anything concrete yet. Okay, I'll say. Okay, so. no, so it's it's an option. I know that uh, a lot of the the breweries here that have music, um, they pretty much allow them to use the space. They get free beer while they're there within reason. Um, but they just get paid pretty much tips is what they get paid. So it doesn't really cost the brewery much, but it allows, you know, some of those bands, those smaller local bands actually bring a crowd. So you can actually, these, these breweries will fill up their, their brewery with people who's never been there before just because they like to follow like, you know, these, these smaller bands that, that have a good following. So it's kind of a, a good way of getting your brewery known to people that wouldn't maybe have, have gone there uh, any other way so yeah think about it be good at least for outdoor summer if you do something you know in your outdoor patio area you can have a, a guy with a guitar or you know whatever do some music and entertain your your folks yeah yeah we're looking at a lot of options for for what we can do so we're we're not uh closing the door on anything we're trying to you know keep our options open, yeah so. yeah okay excellent well John, that is all I had for this topic. Is there anything that I might have missed that you want to enlighten our listeners to with the the process of finding the right property? Um, I think we hit on the the main points for now. Okay. You know, we might have things as we uh, get into construction and maybe uh, some bad lessons learned. Hopefully not. But, okay. <laughs> I, I would love lessons learned. That's what would be great if we can bring in some lessons learned that how you do things different if you, you know, if, if you had to look at it again and, uh, you know, what works, what doesn't. Yeah. That'd be great. That's, those are, yeah, those are hopefully they're, they're small and minor. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. All right. Well, that's the end of the, our first brewery segment. Uh, now let's just roll right into the brew buzz segment, which of course is, uh, d- devoted to discussing all kinds of beer related topics. And this week, 
we are going to revisit uh, some common tasting terms that you guys have heard on the show from John and I when we do our tasting note segment or when we talk about our noteworthy beers. And I think it's important that uh, all of our new listeners have a chance to understand what we're saying uh, because not everyone's going to go back and listen to all 69 shows prior to the one they're listening to now. Uh, so, you know what? Let's just talk about these uh, these terms. So, I'm using uh, a Christmas present I got two years ago. Remember, John, I got this uh, complete beer course by Joshua Bernstein, and I know you have that book, too. Yeah, and at the time, we were like, we are going to use this yeah. book to <laughs> yeah. do all kinds of show topics, and hey, we finally are. Yeah, so <laughs> I felt bad that we never revisited it, so I thought this is a great opportunity to use this resource and pull out some of the the you know, the terms and stuff from that, that he does. Cause I think he does a pretty good job of putting them in understandable terms for people. So it's uh, again, it's the complete beer course by Joshua Bernstein. It's a, it's a big reference, hardback, hardbound uh, book. Very, very nice. And uh, we're going to use that for reference and we're going to be taking notes. These notes are from chapter one, the beer essentials. And we're going to be in the taste section, starting on page 36. So if you already have this book, you can just turn to the, those page 36 and follow along with us. Um, some, you know, some of the stuff I just pulled right from the book. Some of it I paraphrased, um, but just know that he, you know, the reference is him. So don't sue us. We're, we make sure we called you out that we're not stealing your information. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the author mentions. Uh, not making assumptions on a beer based on the first sip. He says, instead, focus on the following common taste components. And this is pretty key, right? A lot of times we'll take a sip and then we'll just come to conclusions with that without really diving deeper into, uh, you know, what you should be looking for when you're taking uh, these first sips of a beer. So, first thing that he mentions is the acidity of the beer and the acidity or sourness in a beer typically will indicate to someone that whoa maybe this beer is not good maybe this beer has got an infection except of course when it's used in sour beers and he gave some examples like belgian gooses lambics creeks flemish sour ales those are all meant to be sour so if you taste acidity in those beers don't worry that's supposed to be there also of course the german goza and berliner weiss two of my favorite sour beers i love both those styles those are supposed to have tartness to it so don't get alarmed if when you take a sip of those styles that you get a little bit of a tartness or sourness to it and of course if you're drinking american sour ale it's going to have some acidity to it so that's yeah, and I would add, you know, some a lot of fruit beers will have some acidity to it as well because the fruit that's added can true. give that character, even though they're not, you know, a sour ale. I know raspberry is one that yeah will provide uh, a nice acidic note. Yeah, and and also we, uh, which you just made me think about that's not in the book, but um, also if the beer, any kind of any style of beer, is aged in a wine barrel, some of those wine. Mm-hmm. characters can come across a little bit acidic as i've mentioned in previous shows that even though i know the style is not supposed to be acidic it comes across a little bit acidic so uh, keep that in mind all right john the, what's the second component that he calls out so next is the aftertaste uh you know also known as the finish uh, that we talk about in all our tastings and it says uh the flavors that linger in your mouth long after the last sip 
ask yourself the following is it pleasant and balanced or is it harsh and lacking yeah you know and we talk about that as well and you know balanced can be a moving target depending mm-hmm. on the style you know what you're really looking for um but uh the author sums up the finish as the following um aftertaste is what compels you to take one sip after another a reminder of uh, the awaiting pleasure or it's a sign that perhaps the beer should be sentenced to the sink's drain. <laughs> it's so true, right? So, yeah, although for, for me personally, it has to be a pretty uh, harsh offender to uh, actually get the sink treatment. True, um, true. Mostly because I'm too cheap. I'm like, I spent money on this. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've only poured, so I think of all the beers, I've only poured one down the sink. It was so bad I couldn't drink it. So some, some, some do need to be dumped, but... You're right. I think for the most part, even if it's a beer I don't necessarily enjoy, I bought it. I'm going to go ahead and drink it if it's not making me sick. So. Yeah, it is weird the difference that I feel in terms of a commercial beer to homebrew. Like when I, I, I've dumped like five gallons of beer yeah. without remorse that I made and just wasn't right or was bad, mm-hmm. and, you know. Um, but it, it, for some reason, when it's something I bought at the store, you know, commercially and is done, like it, my attachment to it is, is somehow larger than this thing. I spent hours and hours yeah, like creating. Yeah. On my own. yeah. Well, well, just um, get, yeah, get prepared. Cause we'll be, you'll be making 15 barrel batches and that's going to be really hard to uh, pull the plug on a bad batch of that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'll have to, if that's what needs to be done. So. <laughs> All right. So next, the next component that the author says to, to kind of pull out of your first initial tastings is the bitterness. And, of course, the bitterness is marked by a dry, harsh taste. So, you know, everyone knows what a bitter thing is. That's just it. When you eat something bitter, you know it's bitter. Of course, we get the, the, the bitterness from, uh, from the hops. And he says that, it's, uh, that bitterness is often revered in IPAs and barley wines and can be overpowering in lighter styles. You don't want to have a lot of bitterness in the lighter you know, golden ales and the blonde ales. You want to have, you can have a little bit in there, but you don't want to have too much. That's not normal for a lighter style beer. And of course, he mentions that even roasted malt can provide some of the bitterness that you taste in porters and stouts. So it doesn't. Yeah, and speaking of porters and stouts, it's also another thing that will contribute is, uh, you know, the cacao nibs, that dark chocolate oh, kind true. Of bitterness character. Um, and it does come across uh, a little differently than. The hop bitterness, yeah. If you, if you really pay are paying attention to it, um, but that'll be a factor as well. Okay. So up next is the the mouthfeel, and the author explains mouthfeel as the following: uh, the sum perception of the beer's body, carbonation, and afterfeel. The latter ranges from oily to sticky to astringent. This mouthfeel will be felt across your tongue and palate, and a, a beer's body can be light and watery to thick and dense. Uh, standard terms used to describe the body are light, medium, and full, with the fuller body beers tending to be sweeter. And that's because there's more sugar yeah. left in those. Yeah. That's uh, usually what, what happens. Yeah. So. so I thought that was a very good way of describing because when we do mouthfeel, you know, we tend to – I mean, we actually have sections for – well, actually – I guess we do mouthfeel. We do uh, with the body and carbonate. I, mean, I guess we do that too, but it's nice to break it down so our listeners know that when we are talking about mouthfeel, it's all those things combined to, to give us the, the component. Yeah, and when you're judging, all all of those are there. Um, 
for the five points that you attribute to mouthfeel. <laughs> yeah, five points. Wow, a big five points for, for ten ten percent. You know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. And the last component that the author points that you should pay attention to when you're sipping your beers is the sweetness. And uh, the malts supply the sweetness, and the stronger barley heavy beers sometimes sock you with residual sugars. And he says, ask yourself, do they overwhelm or are they balanced by the bitterness? So that's that's the key. You know, you know you're going to have a lot more uh, sugars in there when you're going to have a higher gravity beer, a higher ABV. Uh, and do, do they do a good job of balancing it with the hops so you don't get too much of that that sweetness in there? So, uh, so yeah. So that's um, those are the components. Those are the key components that you want to do when you do it do a tasting or when you're when you're tasting your beers and now there's some common terms heard by john and i when we try to describe our beer so john let's start off with the positive qualities and why don't you go through the positive qualities sure uh so we have biscuity uh a light toasted malt uh creates flavors of fresh based baked biscuits or saltine crackers i think we've mentioned that one a lot yeah um clean uh, free of unpleasant aromas and flavors. It's basically, you know, anything that that's off-putting that's mm-hmm. not there. Um, and uh, creamy, a pleasant, soft, smooth mouthfeel and appealing texture. Uh, crisp, as I said, that dryness, bone dry and effervescent, uh, very little sugar remaining. Uh, dry, uh, again, a sharp finish lacking sweetness. Uh, resinous. This is all about hops. Mm-hmm. Um, used to describe uh, hop bitterness, flavor, and aroma. Uh, usually strong, oily pine needle or citrus rind or peel oils. Um, I, I think this is less bitterness and more the that flavor aroma component mm-hmm. um, personally. And yeah. I think uh, with some of the newer hops that uh, are hitting it, the, the resinous um, also tends to lean, you know, yes, the, the pine and, and such, but also towards that uh, kind of weed character yeah. that's come across in quite a few now that dankness. Yeah, dank, that, yeah. Um, and a lot of people will use that resiny as synonymous with that or the pine. So, um, and then spicy, uh, used to describe hot bitterness, flavor, and aroma. Uh, also, can have a spiciness addition from the addition of rye. I add, I add that because I I often call the rye flavor a spicy flavor. So I just put that if, if I. You know, so that they know that that I may be calling spiciness in my rye flavor too. Is that? I mean, can we say that the rye adds a spiciness, John? I mean, am I wrong? Um, it it is something that you know comes from rye bread. Like, but uh, I've heard a lot of discussion on this, and you know, there are some rye beers that come across with a note of spice. There's some that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I've. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting. People haven't really put their finger on it. A lot of folks say what you get in rye bread is not actually the rye. The rye? It's one of the oh. things that go into it. Okay. Um, and so it might be something in the rye also to, you know, there, it could be another reaction that happens if mm-hmm. certain other elements are present. Um, but yes, it's definitely there for some of them. Uh, I would say probably most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Okay. People aren't truly sure on what's causing it yeah so. yeah so it's it wasn't mentioned i just kind of want to throw it in there because i because we we're doing this for our listeners and be, a lot of times when i talk about a rye beer i i often use the word spiciness to explain 
the character that, that I'm getting from that rye. So I just wanted to spell that out to him a little bit. All right, so now uh, there's a few, I mean, there's a bunch of negative qualities, but in reality, there's only a few that John and I mention on a regular basis if we're going to talk about a negative quality to a beer. We, you don't hear it very often, but we, you know, we do mention it on occasion. So the first one is astringent, and that's a harsh puckering or drying sensation that verges on tannic, and it's caused by brewers mishandling their grain. And imagine gnawing on grape skins as giving you that kind of a astringent thing when you, you know, chewing those grape, those grape skins and your cheeks start to pucker in a little bit, kind of that. Yeah. Now I would say most of the time, if you get something, you know, largely astringent, it is bad, but there are other times it can be used to help balance sweetness as well. Okay. Um, along with bitterness. If it's just a light, you know, touch, not where all of a sudden your mouth feels completely dried out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I I have had it before where there was just a touch of astringency, which can come from uh, darker malts as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, but it was present in you know a really big stout and that had a lot of things going on. And but the astringency kind of helped keep it balanced and mm-hmm. not from the next term. Yeah, the next term, of course, is one that John uh, you know uses a lot to 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 kind of say that the beer doesn't have this, and that's cloying. And a cloying uh, characteristic or quality is an overly sweet, the beer equivalent to watching. And the, and I like the author. He gave this uh, example, this an analogy thing. It's like the beer equivalent of watching your Saturday morning cartoons while eating Lucky Charms. Might be a little too much sweet with those Lucky Charms. Uh, <laughs> so that could be a little cloying. But, uh, yeah, so it's overly sweet. You, know, you don't want to have your beer too sweet because that just gives you kind of a sick, sickening uh, feeling. If it's too yeah, sweet. and and this one will also couple with that mouthfeel of wanting to drink more. Yeah, uh, cloying yeah. it makes it hard to want to drink more because um, <laughs> it it can be difficult to kind of wipe it away and it won't be refreshing at all. Yeah, yeah, um, it hangs around. Cloying, yeah, so. it hangs around, and yeah. All right, and the last one that we're going to talk about is another one that I you know that we mentioned on occasion. I've mentioned it a number of times, and that's diacetyl. And diacetyl is the aroma or flavor of butterscotch or buttered popcorn. And I, I think you know, I, though both those are good uh, characters. If you you know if you know what butterscotch tastes like or you know what buttered popcorn tastes like, either one is a good descriptor to to tell you uh, about what diacetyl. You know, if you're tasting diacetyl, and it's not, and you don't want those flavors in your beer. You don't want. I mean, I know there's some beers that there it is okay to have some diacetyl in there because it's part of the style from the old days but any new stuff i don't want diacetyl it i it just makes me want to throw the beer it makes me want to just you know dump the beer because i don't like that flavor in there it, it's takes away from the it's not clean it's not a clean uh characteristic yeah and if you want to know what this is like uh just go to a movie theater ask them to spray the butter into a cup for you and <laughs> that, they, that they put over the popcorn and that is exactly what it is yeah so all right. Well, John, that pretty much sums up our refresh of to some core components to look for when you're tasting a beer and, of course, some positive and negative qualities. Anything else that you that I missed on there you might want to mention to our listeners? I think we hit the big ones. Okay. I think we're good. Yeah, I didn't want to get too, too long-winded because there's literally, I mean, there's a list of uh, 50 or more of the negative and another 50 or more of the positive. And I just want to pull out the ones that we used most often 
to describe our beers so that when we say those words, you'll know what we're talking about. All right, John. Well, that pretty much sums up our show. We we're going to keep it short, and I think we're doing pretty good. We're going to keep it right around an hour and a half. So before we close this show off, I want you to be able to raise your glass to anyone you feel like raising your glass to. Uh, I just want to take another moment to say thanks to everybody for all the support, um, you know, for the brewery and everything. It it, it really means a lot to us, and uh, it was just great, um, you know, like I said, being able to talk to people about it and, um, you know, see that other people are excited as much as we are, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. Um, especially since, you know, we didn't say it and you're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the support has just been amazing. And, uh, you know, we're really thankful for, for having, you know, that kind of support network, I guess. Um, so it's been great. Thanks, guys. Excellent. Yes, yes. Cheers. Cheers to everyone who's been uh, wishing you well and looking forward to your brewery opening, myself in, included. So I have a couple uh, toasts I want to give out. First off, I, I mentioned in the last episode that uh, William Lake from Kentucky was going to send a care package to me of some Kentucky beers, and he did. I got it yesterday. I felt really bad because things were so busy yesterday the package arrived right in the middle of our party. I just kind of took it, set it aside so that, you know, I'd open it when I had more, you know, time. And then today, things were super hectic. I didn't get home until 3 o'clock. And finally, at, at 3 o'clock, I, I said, okay, I'm going to open the beer because I want to make sure I, I rec- you know, I recognize William's uh, great generosity to sending us beer. And he sent me seven beers and five of them for Kentucky and two of them are uh, beers that uh, are not from Kentucky but are on my wish list. And I thought, for one thing, all the beers that he chose for me, it's like he handpicked things that he knows that either I've I've, I've wanted to try, like um, that sit your ass down. You know, we talked about that on the oh, show, John. Yeah. He, he got me a can of that, uh, which was awesome because I love beer puns. I, and I, when you mentioned that beer, I was like, oh, I want that beer bad. So he got me that one. He got me Rheingeist uh, beer from Cincinnati. Uh, he got me the Truth IPA. And again, I've been wanting to try Rheingeist. So I get to try them. And I haven't had any Three Floyds beers. And he saw that I had Three Floyds on my wish list. So he picked me up the Alpha King Pale L uh, from oh, Three nice. Floyds. Uh, I mean, I, I, I he really... W- I mean, I couldn't believe that he just... I mean, literally hand-picked stuff. Oh, and one more. He knows I love brown ales. And he got a brown ale aged with vanilla bean. Uh, I mean, we just talked about brown ales and vanilla beans with uh, Chris McKenzie, right? I think. Uh, did he do a brown or did he do a stout? No, I think my, he did oatmeal stout, I think. But Yeah, I think a stout. But I thought, I mean, all the beers were really uh, well thought out. I really appreciate it. And um, I just want to thank, I want to raise my glass to you, William, for, for uh, sending me some beers to try out. And now I get to try five Kentucky beers and uh, in fact none of these beers I've ever had a, a beer from their breweries or the beer so that's fantastic yeah that's awesome you got some winners there yeah so yeah so look for look for me to check into those uh, in the next week or so on untapped for sure and I, I've got to shout out Amanda and Kevin from Pittsburgh guess what John I got a package coming from them too 
Is this amazing? I'm getting beer. I mean, I, I can't believe that uh, that uh, that uh, people are, are showering me with beer. So I just want to raise my glass to you, Amanda and Kevin, for your generosity also. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a pretty good week. I'm gonna get two packages in one <laughs> one week. I'm gonna have too much beer to drink. No, I won't have. Too I don't much think beer. I've ever heard you complain. No, of that. no, I won't have. <laughs> I won't have too much beer. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's in that package. Um, all right, and also I just want to raise my glass to all the servicemen and women out there who are serving to protect our freedoms. I just want to raise my glass to you, and I want you to come home safely to your families very soon. And guess what? Next episode, we will be having a tasting notes segment. And we are going to try to have the Sierra Nevada Bigfoot Barley Wine. And we'll do a tasting of that. I already have my Bigfoot Barley Wine bottle. Do you have one already, John, or you still got to find it? Nope, I've got mine. Okay, well, guess what? We are doing Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot Barley Wine. So grab a bottle and taste along with us in episode 71. And, of course, you can find the beers and any links to articles, which we don't have in this episode, in the show notes, which are located on the show post at openforumradio.com. Again, I want to reiterate, I, I say this every week or every show, but if you want to find the beers or the links to the articles, uh, we, we have the links right on the Open Forum Radio post. Uh, just go there and click it. It will take you right to the articles. Uh, you can have all of our beers uh, you can find us, and we have show notes to kind of talk about the show. So, hey, go visit the webpage and uh, and uh, click on the links. Also, if you want to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw. And, John, how can our listeners follow you? Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped, Prime WA. And if you want to follow along for news with the brewery, you can follow Trek Brewing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trek Brewing or uh, online at trekbeer.com. Yes, and there's a lot of interaction on the trekbeer.com website, the blog. A lot of uh, questions and stuff. I've been enjoying answering uh, questions and, and stuff. So go check out the website. All right, John, it is last call, and it's time to bring our show to a close. So we just want to thank everyone out there for downloading and listening to the show. We ask you to please tell a friend, and of course, subscribe on the many, many places we have to subscribe on. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, Podbean. Yes, I said it, Podbean. Or however you listen to your podcast. It's all, it's all good. Just go find us and put us in your ears. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks, so don't be disappointed if we don't have a show a week after you hear this one. Wait wait one more week, and then you'll have it. All right, now we want you to go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers.